या ब्यूटीफुल पीपल आई एम प्रिया सचदेवा योर होस्ट टू ट्रेनिंग डायरी शो योर जर्नी टू कनेक्ट विद आइडियाज स्टोरीज एक्सपीरियंसेस एंड पीपल एंड कनेक्टिंग पर्सनस एंड गिव द वर्ल्ड अराउंड यू स्टार्ट्स नाउ टुडे आई एम कनेक्टेड टू लक्ष्मी पुरी हु इज अ फॉर्मर आईएफएस ऑफिसर एंड एंबेसडर सर्वड एट द यूनाइटेड नेशंस फॉर 15 इयर्स एज डायरेक्टर ऑफ द इंटरनेशनल ट्रेड डिवीजन एंड लेटर एज असिस्टेंट सेक्रेटरी जनरल यूनाइटेड नेशंस शी इज आल्सो द फाउंडिंग डेप्यूटी एग्जीक्यूटिव डायरेक्टर ऑफ यूएन वुमेन This particular episode we have discussed her story and breaking stereotypes how her formative years have turned into the person she is and how the concept of feminism has evolved over the years The conversation was recorded at the JLF festival so try to listen carefully for a better experience Tune in So to start with one thing that I'm very much curious to know that how your early years have shaped you the person you are today and the career that you are following today so how does that journey have with it so i think what is very important for me is that my parents both my parents were feminists and i heard of their towns and i was born to them when they were 45 on Un- unexpected last child and uh but they had told we we were two other sisters so i have two other sisters so they had told us all three of us that your destiny is to be someone in your own right in we are not going to be focusing on it so you're settling down on getting married and uh so each one of you has to find your own path and destiny in mm-hmm. uh and work towards that mm-hmm. so don't take it easy so and my mother in particular was a very driven person because she was a pioneer in education herself she was one of the first and first uh women uh postgraduate and who had given up her law studies and career for my father and then never went back to it and she had a lifelong regret mm-hmm. so she always told me never first of all value and cherish your pari never give it up for anything mm-hmm. so that was one the other thing was that she was never satisfied with anything i achieved if i came second in class she would say why didn't you come first there was a tie there 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 were all these no what i called it was a negative incentivization uh-huh you know uh and later when um, i came um, second in the all india services exam i was the youngest and even now i think i'm the youngest to an entrant uh, in the civil services because i was 21 uh so she would she would uh, she she said but why have you come second and not first all india mm-hmm. you know so she was like that mm-hmm. that she would kind of egg me on mm-hmm. through that achieve more achieve more that kind of sometimes it was a pressure mm-hmm. sometimes i rebelled against it mm-hmm. but mostly i think she got her way <laughs> it bullshit me forward and my father on the other hand was responsible 
for steering me away from a medical career that I was looking. I had done science in school. I was wanting to be a doctor. And I went into, uh, uh, you know, uh, I even got admission in the Singh College Pre-Med. And then suddenly my father said, look, I'm going to retire. I didn't know how my, you know, post-retirement, he was secretary, law secretary in the government. And he would have had to start private practice. He didn't have much savings. So he said, I don't know how my career will turn out after this. I would suggest that you don't take on a medical career, which is going to take eight years for you to stand in your, on your own seat. Mm-hmm. I, why don't to become an IFS officer? So he kind of set, sowed that seed of, uh, you know, my becoming uh, a diplomat, an IFS officer. He had been posted as legal advisor to uh, the, the king, my, the Nepalese king, in the 50s when I was a child. And he had seen, you know, he had seen the diplomatic life. And so he was somehow fascinated. And he felt that for women, it's a very good uh, lung to take. So that's how the influence. So, so, so he made me do a complete U-turn mm-hmm. and join History Honours in LSA. And he said, don't wait for to finish your MA. Uh-huh. Do it. Just the moment you are eligible, the moment you are 21, <laughs> you are eligible, appear for the exam. <laughs> so, you know, that was the kind of mental preparedness he, he, he and planning he did. <laughs> uh, and, you know, those days one generally listened to parents. Still it happens, but yeah. And, and uh, I have no regrets. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, although at that moment, I felt somewhat um, bereft that I couldn't fulfill my um, you know, ambition to be a doctor. Uh, which, by the way, had been sown by my mother into me because uh, a doctor had saved, a gynecologist had saved her life and mine because there was a point when the doctor was not sure whether she could save one of us or both of us, you know, she was not sure because I was a cesarean, post-term baby and so on. So she had this great Miss Dr. Pasvich as my role model. You have to be doctorist. But that's the destiny. That's destiny. So that's how they influenced. And uh, I think some of the other values throughout that I have I've inherited from both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a striving for perfection. Anything you do, you must do with sincerity. You know, you must do justice to your work. There are also family values. In the art. Yes. So I've been lucky to have all the a spouse who was also from front Corn service. We met there and got married. Mm-hmm. And then it was an adjustment because he came from uh, a family where he didn't have any sisters and I didn't have any brothers. Okay. So it was a very big adjustment <laughs> to get used to 
him getting used to what is the biggest and what was the biggest and we know like so there were two challenges no one is this thing that he had not lived with her sister and i had not lived with her they are used to the for the first time apart from your father and in his case apart from his mother getting to know a woman or my getting to know a man my hitish huh and he was also very young i mean we grew up together so he was also around 22 when we got married so uh that so we grew up together and uh, and so you know so that that was uh, uh and then of course being in the service together it has its own advantages but also you know this is part of tandem couple it has its own advantages but sometimes disadvantages also because you know in the world some issues can arise with a famine boss singing you know things like that but i think on the whole it has been a wonderful journey both the current service one and my joining the un in it uh that decision was prompted by my very early exposure to un work from 1981 when i started dealing with human rights the mission in geneva from the indian mission mm-hmm. uh and uh, then it, i think i fell in love with it because initially after having them at headquarters i was dealing with pakistan which is hard for bilateral work by lacuna grounds what does that mean so that means that you're dealing with a country okay you know which is our neighbor our most difficult partner or we want them to be or them to be partners mm-hmm. but they are you know they swear upon uh, uh, us as an enemy so how do you deal with that and it was a very critical period when a thaw was happening he I was under secretary bastan and although i was an under secretary i was very much I had the privilege of being very much engaged in policy making in the actual diplomatic engagements I used to visit um and uh Pakistan quite often so all of that after that to go into a multilateral arena seemed a bit diffused because you don't get immediate results you may pass a resolution on any idea or any action whether it's on human rights whether it's on peace and security whether it is on terrorism whether it is on disarmament you know all the pro- big projects of humanity so you feel good about that that you're working on the big projects of humanity you are upholding your national interest in that arena you are bringing to bear your ideas into that arena but also you are feeding the global public good ideas into the national system into the national mainstream because it's a osmosis you know something good that the world has you must bring it to india in light uh, and what is it should be always an exchange yes. yes yes not osmosis has to Indeed. So it's a very exciting thing but it's a very slow process uh when you have to deal with 183 or 193 countries now uh having to agree on something in the you know so it's a slow process so i used to sometimes get very frustrated and uh so i remember that um my first 
boss at that time, Muchpun Dubeji, uh, he was a legend in, in multilateral fora and uh, in development, disarmament, every area. And he was a committed multilateralist. So he told me, I went to him and I said, you know, I've just come from doing such important work. He said, you know, handling Pakistan, India's relations with Pakistan, even at an undersecretary level, I had so much. I used to sit with uh, Mrs. Gandhi when she used to take meetings, you know, and the foreign minister at that time, Narsimharaudi. So, everything, and from there, I've come down here and I see no progress, or bad teeth that they're at there, look, you know, interventions that they had. Yeah. No solution to it. Uh, and no, immediate resolution of some of these things and implementation of Indeed. It. So he says, you know, we have to believe in the covers of ideas to change the world. Mm-hmm. Once you have that belief, you will find what you're doing meaning. Mm-hmm. So I think that, in a way, was my Beej Mantra, indeed, when, when I was engaging with uh, the UN world. Yeah. So that is um, how I, and down the years, after about 28 years being in the foreign service, I joined the, uh, the UN also because I needed to be with my, in the same place as my husband, because my daughter was only 10 years old. The younger one, I had a 12-year gap between the first and she gave us an ultimatum. You cannot be in two different places, ambassadors in two different places. So I took leave. And then this came up, this job came up, and I applied, and I got it. And I, after that, I, again, I didn't look back. 15 years, and then I came back in 2018. Also, Throughout the journey, you have also worked uh, immensely in the women sector because you're a firm believer in feminism. So how the evolution of feminism has happened? You have, you know, experienced the whole decades. Absolutely. How did that happen? That was a kind of personal journey of, you know, something that is internalized within you or feminism, what you experience, what you fight back, uh, gender biases at the workplace, at home, you know, uh, not from my husband, but from others, you know, uh, even other colleagues, these are we, us. So, you know, that, that is one part, but wherever if I have, I have tried, wherever I have been, to mentor other women, evil, to support them, because as we were just discussing in this panel, it's really important. To be role models for other women and to keep the ladder which you have climbed up on, get to wherever you have got to in terms of leadership, in terms of breaking the glass walls. Uh, in this occupation, you know, I had a young lady asking me, I want to, you know, enter the foreign service. Tell me, I. So we were just discussing that. So I think. That is a very important thing to encourage other women to be in the same space that you have been sponsoring so on unlimited vision. Yes. Yeah. And, and looking at also being the, um, uh, at uh, wherever you can make a normative difference. You know, like what happened was that there was um, some 
feeling that in the foreign service, meaning on the part of men, that women were being favored in terms of hostings. In particular, those women who were married to another foreign service officer, other foreign service officer, many first. So they tried to host us to there. So the men protested and went to the foreign side. So we, we then, as women's delegation, went and countered he, their allegations and gave them proof that we do C stations as much as we do A stations. So you cannot accuse. And yes, there may be cases both amongst men and women. But you have to encourage more women to join. They have a special need because, yes, because children and all of that to be together. Right? There has been this internal NEA, you know, dynamic on on asserting women's equal rights, but also seeking some affirmative action sometimes, you know, because both things special temporarily you need to be. Otherwise, women would not join the foreign service because every time, suppose they marry. There is not sort of awareness also about the thing that you know how. No, no, because they, you have to move from country to country. Exactly. You know, a move talking was a country to job. I've changed 23 houses. I was just counting the other day. I've set up houses 23 times. And so that is the journey. And then, uh, then of course, in terms of actual work, in 2011, UN Women was founded by uh, the international community, set up the first global organization to promote gender equality and women's rights. And they advertised for, they had appointed the president of Chile, then president of Chile, Michelle Bachelet, yeah. as the first executive director. And then they advertised this post and I applied for it and I was selected to be uh, the deputy executive director. So the founding of that and building that whole organization which epitomizes the gender equality and women's empowerment project was one of the most brilliant aspects of my life and career. For seven years, I was uh, part of that project. So I've been very privileged. And it was like, you know, the Sanam Dona. As last as this Counting it down, what is the one trend that you really want to see, the forward to see more evolve in a country or worldwide in general? So what that one trend looks like? Anything? I think, I think education. Education of the girls and women dog and lifelong education and STEM education, any vocational education, skipping, eating uh, and breaking up these, you know, and, like it, and then that trajectory to work. Amy, you know, I was talking about the value chain of education skills to work. Amy, 
So that chain has really been done uh, in every country. And I think education is a silver bullet. If we get that right, and education doesn't only mean technical skills or subject skills, gender education as Gender education, education, but also gender-related education. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, boys being taught to respect women mm-hmm. and to expect and respect the equality of men and women, boys and girls. Similarly, women also mm-hmm. inculcate in them atma, saman, mm-hmm. you know, and confidence. That they can do and really anything in the yeah opposition. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah, beautiful people. I hope you get some value today. If you have some idea, concept, or story to share, do share us on the Instagram page of Training Diary because you have made this so far. Make sure you follow us back so you will be the first one to receive. notification when we, whenever we are going to upload an episode and also that will be really kind of you if you can leave us a positive review on apple podcast that really support us to create better content till then take care and i'll see you soon in another great episode with another great video with another great story with another great lesson bye bye and god bless us all